Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your life coach. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show for you today. Two hours full of insight, excitement, updates. We're going to have updates. Uh, we'll have what we call the newlywed update. Jessica's just been married back uh, somewhere. She was here earlier. Maybe she's taking a nap. Um, and we're going to also hear from <laughs> uh, toddlers and t- tiaras wannabe uh, announcer, um, our own Michael Pond is going to give us a little update on how his weekend went, announcing for a cheerleading uh, deal. So we'll get into all that. It's a competition. 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 Not a deal. No. Sorry to offend. Very quick on the uptake there, by the way. I can you, tell. You, you got to represent. You know, you got to if you're going to if you're going to make a big deal about this, you got to say my correct title every time. Uh, MC. Yeah. The Tiara Nader. Professional. Professional Tiara MC. Yeah. Regional cheerleading. Assistant to the regional cheerleading MC. Right. Perfect. Got it. <sighs> Whatever. But anyway, congratulations. We'll hear about that sometime through the show. I don't know when. Yeah, I don't even think you knew we were going to do that, Mike. But um, here's the deal. Today we're talking about teens. Some of you out there driving in Happyville, just driving home, so excited to get home. You're going to pull in, park your car, walk inside. Your kid, your beautiful teenager will be sitting there watching TV. And you'll say, hey, and nothing. (laughs) How was your day? Cricket, cricket, cricket. Nothing. They won't give you anything. I think teens are wired to not give you any information. From birth, they know loose lips sink ships. Do you think? Absolutely. My younger brother is 16 right now. Oh, boy. And he just – I ask him every time I go home or um, I'll try to text him sometimes. Apparently, I'm not cool enough for him to text back. All right. I'll, whenever I go home, I'll drill him about his life. I'm like, so yeah. what are you up to? What are you doing? And he is this, he's an award-winning ballroom dancer. And so he like. Is he really? Yeah. That's cool. So he like works out and dances all the time. So he's ripped. He, kind He's really, he's really ballroom tall. ballroom dancing ripped. Well, he's like 6'5". So his muscles have to spread across yeah. his whole body. Yeah. You know. So it's like, yeah. Super lean. But he's like muscle, wound you know? tight like a rubber band. Yeah, exactly. But he can throw the girls in the air. <laughs> No, really, though. I know. And then they're like seven feet, you know, because he's so tall. Um, Yeah, but every time I go home, I'm like, so. How's your day? How did did it go? Like, how was your day? Let me play him. What did you feel? Fine. Nothing. (laughs) Did I always say, so are you going to ask this girl out again? (laughs) I always say, yeah, how's Caroline? I don't don't know. That's this girl. And he's like, she's good. I'm like, okay. Isn't that the Um, hardest thing? (laughs) It's amazingly hard. See, my son doesn't drive. He's 16. But he never drives. Like when I was 16, I was driving everywhere. I was too, yeah. He doesn't drive. So we were on the freeway the other day and I said, I think you need to start driving more. So I think I'm going to just actually pay you to go drive 30 miles away, pick something up and come back. And he's like, nah. <laughs> that was his answer. That was it. <laughs> nah. And then I'm like, um... Why? Why don't you like driving? And he's like, I don't know. Like he's got three words. Yeah, basically. I don't know. It's like the vocabulary is is about five words. It's like, uh Mm uh-huh, fine, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, once or twice a day, like, what's to eat? 
What, what's, what is there to eat? When are we eating? Something about food. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's and true. And then you feed them and then you don't hear anything from them. And then uh, they have a great – I mean they go – they could have the best date ever and they come home and don't say anything. Yeah. Teens. The sad thing is my youngest sister, um, who's about to turn 12, she used to be very chatty with me. I mean – Uh-oh. I mean she's young yeah. and I'm older yeah. and she thinks it's cool to talk and everything. But I've started to notice – Is she shutting down? That it's the one-word answers. So – well, what it is, they're just afraid of us. Oh, that, they, that's the... <laughs> But what they don't know is that them not talking actually makes us bug them more. So if they that, would just let true. us yes, know the information, an then I wouldn't have to hound them. I wouldn't be reading their journals. I wouldn't put the camera up in their room. Now, I wonder if teens perceive themselves as not communicating with their parents. Because I always thought I was yeah. very communicative with my parents, and that just might be... Me, I'm pretty good friends with my parents, so I just follow my mom around while did she did I did, too. I so. did, too. I like talking to my mom a yeah. lot. So I just follow or Whenever me and my dad were driving, we talk a bunch. But I wonder if they still perceived me as being... Quiet? Yeah. Probably. It was then when you'd, like, go quietly into your room and build a bomb? I... Not bombs. Did you ever do that? No. Sadly, good. that would have been cool. That was before... You are I, from you know. Idaho. That's where the <laughs> Unabomber was hiding at, wasn't he? Was that in Idaho? I don't think so. It's Montana or something. Was Idaho Montana? is like nothing. Like we yeah. think, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. Nah. Anyway. Why would, why would the Unabomber go to Idaho? Idaho's a great place. It is. It's and you beautiful. were a talkative teen and now look at you. And still talking. I'm still talking. And this time I have an even wider audience. I know. Under Seriously, your family and Mike's cheerleading following. And yeah. your mom. And my mom. Yeah. And my parole officer. Ah, All listeners. <laughs> it's a good thing. So teens, that's the topic of today. How do we get them to talk? You know, there are some things that teens obviously need. Our own Merritt Meekham has been doing research into the teens and the tweens. Yeah. New study that came out that has been very popular. What? Among, is that there, is, they found okay, something new about a if, teenager? No. Well, okay. you know how these studies work. Yeah. They usually just prove something that we already know. Yeah, well, duh. Okay. Right. But that is that teens need more sleep but specifically wait they do specifically if school started later teens would be happier and healthier like later in the day yes later in the day what what's the optimal time like noon no that's college yeah that's what that's what i was gonna say more to like for example there was a school that changed their start time from 8 15 to 8 40 and even that amount of made a difference yeah Oh, that would probably help my son a lot. Oh, definitely. And that's what I think is that when I was a teenager, I stayed up late. Not that that's really changed. but well, You did? But see, oh, yeah. here's the question because you guys are all closer to teen than I am. It's true. Why wouldn't you just go to sleep if you're so tired? Because... Good, good question. How about because you took a nap from 3 to <laughs> that, 5.30? Well, okay. Actually, that's why. Part of it is just that... When you're growing up and in your that weird, yeah, who knows what of teenage hormonal, yeah, fog. Your sleep patterns just are completely you're messed, messed up, up totally. and you become night owl. You need to sleep later, and then when you're about twenty five, that switches back. Yeah, yeah. My son will stay up late, but then take his afternoon nap. Oh yeah, I did that for hours. about a year. Yeah, you. Yeah, you come home from school, 
skip homework, get a snack, lay on the couch, take a two-hour nap, and then work. We. It's interesting because I did find a way to get him up, though. Because, see, I used to try to just go in and, like, tickle his back and cuddle and say, hey, buddy, time to get up. <laughs> I called that the gentle wake-up. Now I just go in. He has a keyboard in his room. Mm-hmm. And I. it has programmed songs. And there's Claire de Lune. <laughs> it's already programmed in. And I just go to number, I think it's number 55. Okay. Hit enter. Claire de Lune starts to play in a loop. It just loops. And each time it's about 40 seconds and it just keeps looping. Ooh, yeah, that minute, would get me up. The minute I uh, start that, he gets mad. <laughs> and that, and then I, I realized, isn't that a great idea? Yeah, that's that great. That is awesome. And then he learned to unplug it, like with his foot. And then I learned to then also go across the other side of the room and turn on a ghetto blaster. And so he, I, put, I turn on a cacophony. Ooh. Of music, yeah, and he gets up. That would, yeah, that would. He's ornery. He hates me, but but he's, he's standing. Yeah, well, this study was saying that um, if you if schools only delayed their start times by twenty five minutes, yeah. it's not even. No, I believe that's huge. Yeah, then that usually meant that the students would get an additional hour, half an hour to an hour of sleep, yeah. and that they'd. It was. Let's see, a 26% increase in the number of students who got eight hours yeah, of sleep a night, that's which true. that's really important for health when you're yeah. a teenager. And you know what else they could add to that is if they made it so um, all of the children could shower when they got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. that's a big deal, too, because they've got to get up and shower. So if you you know started an hour later, let them shower there and do their hair and makeup. Everyone has to be there by nine. We start school at noon. <laughs> My parents have had students that do that. I mean, this is in college, but students will come to school for their morning class and be like in their sweats and like totally yeah. not ready for the day. And my mom said she walked into one of the bathrooms on campus and saw one of the students getting ready for the day, <laughs> like after her morning showering class. in yeah, the I was sink. Like, that sounds like a good idea to me. Oh, I was half yeah. tempted to start it myself, See? but yeah. What um, do the kids know? See? Really? That's a good start. And, so, it, and it saves the, the hot water at home. I mean, oh, yeah. hey. coming, coming from a family of eight kids, that's a lot. me being me being the last yeah. one to shower Cold in the showers. day, yeah, Ooh. it was terrible. What a terrible way to start the day. Cold shower. <laughs> that's why they're angry. Yeah. Because they always have cold showers. It's not angst. It's being cold. Totally. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, that we don't talk to our teens because really um, are, as if I have any. Well. Um they teens have such a hold on the market. Oh yeah, and they're it seems so like the influential. World yeah, around them. exactly. And I um, another study that I was reading this came out a couple months ago was that um, teens usually influence their parents' consumer decisions to a ridiculous oh, degree. Oh, please, yeah. totally. Yeah. So, um, but not only that, but the mom said that. Their personal clothing, makeup, hair accessories, and then snack foods, breakfast cereals, beverages, restaurants, vacations, all of these basically are the teen's decision. Really? Yeah. Of their parents? Yeah. Well, see, think about it. Would your wife go like, hey, kids, what should I get at the store for you to take to lunch the next week? Yeah, she says that. And so we don't even give it a second thought, but they're completely controlling that. Because I would never buy a Go-Gurt. Oh, yeah, definitely. But we've got a whole stack of them in our fridge. Well, and another cool thing is that from Movie World, because this is a big deal to me, um, you might have heard that Frozen, yeah. Disney's Frozen, mm-hmm. went back and hit the top um, weekend. Did it? Weekend uh, 
box office f- six weeks after it was released. That really? is unheard of. Why? Yeah, How? People don't do that. Um, so it was released, then it went back, and it, then it was released, it and then over Christmas. And I mean, people have theories. Lots of it is just like kids were home, mm-hmm. so we took them to movies. But a lot of that was just because the movie was super popular among tweens and teenagers. Really? And I was reading this article on NPR that suggested that the song that everybody's yeah. let it go, everybody yeah. loves that let song, Oscar nominee. Um, a lot of it, I mean, it just has to do with kind of discovering who you are and that's it studies show that when you're about 10 years old that's when you start to question who am i yeah. what am i doing with we my had life? the whole discussion at church about in a group full of how old are they 14 to 16 no 16 to 18 year old boys we talked about the show the movie frozen and that's what they said is that oh gosh we don't know we don't know i mean some people they all loved it because they're like it's like our parents don't know who we are and we're not yeah. accepted and we're not free so we're kind of frozen, and we get anyway. Yeah, it's insane. And I just and so said, that you know what like, I did? I started singing "Let It Go." Yeah, there you go. Let it go. <laughs> it's just going to be the solution well, from now on. Apparently, it's it was so successful that now it's going back to theaters again, making the sing along version of of Frozen. Oh heavens! Yeah, I can. Oh, are you that. kidding? Seriously? Well, yeah, no, I it's mean, like it's Monty right. Python. It's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. So Let this it is. Go. I mean, it's like rocking the movie world. The success yeah. that this has had. I mean, the time. An animated feature that's hit the box office, yeah. top box office, twice. Is well, that, kind the, of, that the teens like versus the yeah, and it's the I mean little kids. Well, yeah, and that I mean parents are going to that movie yeah. too, so it's just yeah, it's a, it's a huge influence that the teens have. In fact, let's go right now and have Mike Pond sing "Let It Go." Let It Go by Michael Pond. Let go, Mike. it go. <laughs> I don't even know how that song goes. I have not seen the movie. Yeah, don't oh, do that. Yeah, yeah. that can, was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, that yeah. that was nice. Yeah, I just need to stick with my announcing career. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what you need though? What you need a theme song. You need a theme song for the teen pageants. Is it is it X Girl to the Next Girl by Gangstar? I don't know. Uh. I don't know how that goes. Do you want to sing that one? No, that's not appropriate. But uh, do you want to give us an update on your um, teen pageant? Yeah, I bet Free. everyone is dying to know how my weekend went. So you you had a chance to go make dollars as an announcer. I made a lot of money. I did good. A, a lot of money yeah. in the announcing world for cheerleaders 7 to 17. No, they're actually – I didn't know this, Matt, but it, it's more like 4 to 24. Whoa, okay. That was nice. I had fun. <laughs> I had fun this weekend. So what you're saying is there were actually some contestants that were college age. Dateable. They and yes, I got a date. Not you you normally just have to hang out with their mothers. Right. And that that happened too. Okay. There's some nice nice women Very there. Very nice 12-year-olds. Yeah. But you are 14-year-olds or whatever. But you were actually dating the 24-year-olds and Yes. Did we get a date? I did. I <gasps> did. And so this is what happened. So I've done this once before. Yeah. And I uh I a lot of the same teams came and it's an all-day thing. So I, you're you're known. Yeah. You're a known entity. Yeah. In this group, this cheerleading group from 24 to 20 or, or 24 to 24 year olds. Yeah. So this is uh, the second or third time they've seen my face. Yeah. And I, ooh, he's kind of, oh, he looks ooh, like Superman. Okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I was talking to one of these mothers. God bless her. Yeah. She told me, I, I said, she's like, oh, do you have fun doing this? And I said, well, you know, it's good money, but, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work. And, uh-huh. 
And she's like, oh, you know, my daughter, she's 24, and she goes to BYU. And, and I went, oh, well, uh, I would Tell love me to meet her. her. Yeah. So <laughs> this, was, this was actually Honey Boo Boo's older sister. Right. And so I've had a change of heart, Matt. You I, are now in it to win it. I, I am in, in it to win it. I, I want to do the upper division now. I bet you do. And you want to not only – you want to date these girls and you, their mothers like you. So you're halfway there. Yeah. I had to sweet talk her for like 15 minutes before she introduced me to her daughter. What did the know? girl say? Did she say, are you Michael Pond, the great announcer from the teen pageants? It was more like, hi. Oh, hi. And then, you know, from there went on. What was the next line? So uh, what are you doing after this pageant? Want to go out to dinner? Wow. You went right for the shot. Yeah. She said yes. We went out to this Hispanic You actually went out? Yeah. Where? I was in a suit. She was in her cheerleading garb. So you've never... Oh, wow. What mother would just let you... Oh, her mother had long been gone. So you just took her and went to dinner? Yes. Yes. Love. Yeah. At first announcing. Wow. What's her name? I mean, in case she's listening. Shannon. Shannon, the cheerleader. Michael Pond. Has your website traffic increased at all since you're announcing? Yes. You know, MikePond.com is taken, and I've contacted the man, and he's been like, oh, my gosh. No, they, the other website. Oh, the Toddlers, Toddlers and Tiara Whisperer. Dot com, dot net. Yeah, off the charts. Net, dot go. Off the charts? Off the charts. They can't even give me a good number. It's like the, uh, dot, you know, that healthcare website. They well, don't know. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you know? Yeah, they do, uh, we do don't. Know? We have no idea. Yeah. But things are going well. Well, and let's just be real. A lot of those are four-year-olds. Yeah, probably. They probably can't even enter in all their information because they don't know it. <laughs> so uh, let's keep it real. Good job, Mike. Uh, proud of you. Congrats to Shannon, too. Boy, give me a call, Shannon. Before you go out on that second date, one eight five five chat byu I'll walk you through the specifics of uh, dating Michael Pond, a.k.a. the Tiara Whisperer. We're going to take a break. Today we're talking to teens. We're going to give you the tools, the skills, everything you need to be able to maybe open up those teens, get them talking, sharing a little bit, or at least understand where they're coming from. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side today, we're talking about talking to our teens and uh, just being an excellent role model to our teenagers. Not an easy task. Who better to do that than Pageant Pond, we call him. The great MC from pageantry. I am hoping one of these days. Pageantry is gone by. That, that nickname Michael is Pond. just going to slip off something else. No. Can we just stick with Mike Pond? That's good, solid. Don't Balanced. you like Pageant Pond? I'm trying to get you a nickname, and Pageant Pond seems Pageant better than Pond. the Tiara Whisperer. Well, you know, I am, I'm done in the pageant world until next December. That's what they always say. Everyone says, I'm not going to do the next pageant. Next thing you know, they're putting Vaseline on their teeth, and they're taping up themselves, and then they get in the pageant, and they win. You know, when I was there, it was pretty cool. I'm in the announcer's booth, right? And they gave There's me- There's a booth. Right. I have my own booth. It's a big deal, Where man. was this thing? Sandy, Utah. 
Which which location? They gave me an address. It's some big convention center yeah. out there. I've been there. I live there. They they gave me so one you had of a booth. those uh, like you know the the earpieces that the Secret yeah. Service wears. Uh-huh. I, I've got one of those. In did you did you, did you would you put your finger on it when you would talk? Right, and I'd have the mic. You know, ladies and gentlemen, up next Davis High School. You know, wow, yeah, it was great. Sounds cute. But we're not going to talk about no, that we're not. today. We're talking about how you can be a better aunt. Or a better uncle. I'm thinking the uncle would be better yeah. for both of us. Yeah, me too. How do you um, do that, Mike? Are you an uncle? I, I am not. But, you know, this, this so advice. how do you know? This advice goes across the board okay. in talking with teens. How, right. to, how to be. But we're going to focus. You know, we're going to can Sometimes they can't go to their mom and their dad. So no. you could go to your aunt or your uncle. No, the, the uncles and the aunts are in a unique position because uh, they're older than the nieces and the nephews. Yeah. And they can be positive mentors. But uh, they're, they're younger than the grandparents. Right. 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 And they're different than their siblings because they provide. Uh, you know, a different outlook through life. They yeah. maybe branched out on the family tree or are doing something else. And some different. of those genes that are coursing through the families that might make you a difficult teenager, maybe that aunt or uncle might have similar, you know, genes, similar yeah. desires, goals. In in media today, we kind of see this uh, this funny uncle, this goofy, yeah, the weird, crazy uncle that no likes one talks to do about. a little dangerous, yeah. fun stuff with the nieces and the nephews, and that's actually not. Too far from the truth. There's a lot of, I mean, in Western society here in America and Canada, uh, there's that's pretty pretty common. Yeah, and and this is kind of a no brainer, but I think the biggest piece of advice to to be a great aunt or a, or a great uncle is to interact with your nieces and nephews. Know them, know their names. Yeah, at at a family gathering, you know, know which kid uh-huh. you're you're yelling at, chasing. <laughs> it's true because a lot of times I don't know that I know all of my nieces and nephews' names. Matt, shame on you. There's thousands of them. They're everywhere. Wow. And you know what's weird? I only see them once a year, and, they're, and they grow. So I, I know which family they belong to. Right. And I kind of know their names, but some of them are twins. And so that's like, hey, another thing. number two. That's number an interesting one. point that you bring up. In, like in traditional, like maybe 40, 50 years ago, families lived a lot closer together yeah. than they do now. They yeah. saw each other a lot more often. But nowadays... Uh, you probably live far away from yeah. your family. And so it can be hard to, to be a good aunt or a, a good uncle. But there are, are things that you can do to There's still... the interweb. You could yeah. use the interweb. Or the, the Facebook. Yeah, right. the Facebook. Yeah, or uh, the Twitter. The Twit, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things you use can do. But, you know, you can send... You can remember birthdays, mm-hmm. important events, graduations. You can send cards. Throw a little money by them. Right. You could take them to a concert. And I think that'd be cool go to have see, an uh, uncle that likes the music you like, and you go to that concert with him. Have hey, fun let's with go that. see Creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could stay up and go do a late night movie of like a cheerleading movie, or in your case, you could have had an uncle that would have taken you to pageants and could have showed you the pageant world at a much younger age, and you would have had an advanced, you know, yeah. opportunity. I, I would have decided earlier world. that I don't want to do that. Oh, okay, yeah, hypothetically, so, hy- I'm with you. Totally. Anti-hypothetically. But, you know, you want to interact with them. You want to ask them. And that's that's a problem. You know, we're talking about t- people have trouble talking with teens. Right. It's it's easy when you're in, at this once-a-year family gathering to hang out with the other adults. 
um, and, and let the kids do their things or the teenagers. But, uh, you know, take the time to talk and, and goof around with your nieces and your nephews and ask them uh, about what's going on in their lives, how they like school, what their favorite subject is, what they're going to be for Halloween and what they're hoping for Christmas. You know, lots. there's a lot of different things you and can do. parents, we need that. You know, we can't be the only one that connects to the kids. So if I could have my sisters, my brothers also looking out for my kids, it makes my job twice as easy. Pond, and, look at you. Look You're me. bringing us some good research. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff on uh, the Facebook and, uh, you know, the interwebs. It's great. I mean, and also all of this considering you're not even an uncle or an aunt. Well, you know, this applies to everyone. You can be a great person. You could just be a great role model. Right. Exactly. Good stuff. Michael Pond. Again, you can find him at the Tiara Whisperer forward slash net dot com backslash blog me dot spot. Right. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, the true expert is going to be joining us. Dr. Jennifer Powell-Lunder is going to be joining us. Clinical psychologist, adjunct professor of psychology at Pace University, and co-author of the book Teenage as a Second Language. She's going to teach us how to communicate with our teens. Talking to the teens, that's the topic here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are unlocking one of the greatest mysteries in the history of all time. How do you talk to a teenager in a way that they will listen or actually open up? How do you communicate with a teen in a way that you can have a relationship so you don't scare them away, like a like a like a cat caught up in a tree, out on the edge, out on the limb. How do you how do you get the cat down? Here, kitty, kitty. That's what we're talking about with kids. I have six children. How many of them have been teenagers now? Four are in the teen world, and um, something happens. They kind of turn from these kids that'll cuddle up and talk to you, and then they turn into teens, and then they they change and they they start hiding stuff. They start not sharing certain things, you know. The Teen Whisperer. We've got an excellent uh, example uh, or an excellent uh, uh, expert coming to talk to us. A clinical psychologist will be joining us in a minute. Before we do, there is a statistic that Merritt found that is quite scary, but actually very telling. Um, In a study of U.S. tweens um, on social media, okay, who are actively involved in social media, 71% of parents questioned in the poll said that they had talked to their children about online behavior, you know, about what to do online. 71% of parents said they had, but only 44% of the children actually agreed that they had. So that's quite scary. 
71% of the parents are thinking that the kids are getting some of the messages about online use, social media use, but only 44% of the kids are actually agreeing that they were ever talked to. It's a big deal. And when it comes to just not just social media, but life itself, big decisions, uh, life-changing decisions, as parents, we want to influence our children even more. So if we're going to do that, let's figure out how to talk to them their way. We've got a wonderful guest joining us right now. Dr. Jennifer Powell-Lunder is joining us. She's a clinical psychologist, adjunct uh, professor of psychology at Pace University, co-author of the book Teenage as a Second Language, and creator of the website it's a tweenslife.com and co-creator of talkingteenage.com uh Dr. Powell Lunder it was profiled in Westchester's magazine January 2012 feature on people to watch she's also a regular featured uh, expert as a parenting expert on NBC today in New York and NPR talk of the nation she's doing it all Dr. Jennifer Powell Lunder thanks so much for joining us Oh, thank you for allowing me to come, Matt. How are you? Excellent. And we need you. I need you desperately because these kids, you know, what is it? What is it? Because, I mean, I guess we all remember our parents not letting us talk, and they'd always tell us their stories and how horrible things are, and they're always trying to convince us. But what is it about kids, teenagers, let's say, I guess, and communication? Is it really a different language, as your book kind of suggests? You know what? It's not that it's a different language. They're using the same words. It's that the meaning is different. In, yeah, interesting. And, and that's where parents really need to learn how to translate. And um, I actually also blog for um, Psychology Today, and oh, I just recently posted them. a blog on how parenting has actually gotten more complicated these days. Now, I, it feels that way to me. How so, though? It really has to do with language and social media because the parents raising the millennials, as we call, we like to call the tweens and the teens right yep. now, were not born in the digital age. So we were not born in the same culture that our kids are being mm. born in. Yeah. And it is a totally different culture. So the good news is for parents coming after us, the next generation, they're going to have a little bit of an easier time because they are going to be having been born in that culture they're they're used to like i mean we grew up with the idea i wrote every college paper for until my master's degree you know old school right you know the brother typewriter right exactly i mean i I, all my high school stuff was on a typewriter right and uh now all of our kids are that they'll write their papers on their phone and then send it to the desktop clean it up print it done Exactly. Actually, not even print it. Send it in. Crazy. And it's also how and what they're communicating about that that has really, really changed. Um, One of the key things right now is that, you know, a positive thing of the digital age is that kids have a real forum to communicate, and not just communicate, but also check in Hmm. with other teens and tweens. And that's not something that was available beforehand. So what that means sometimes is that they're more likely to verbalize or externalize their feelings. I mean, what I say is drama begets drama. And what I mean by that is that our teens and tweens today talk a lot more openly about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the parents who are raising them don't know when to look at it as red flag behavior yeah. or when it's just 
a teen or a tween being a teen or a tween. You know, it's not a surprise that one of the biggest um, apps right now is Snapchat. Right. And that's because kids can say what they want, and then it disappears immediately. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that to me, is a, it's a huge deal. They've got however many seconds after they send it, it actually disappears, so there's no record, there's no trace. Which, exactly. in our generation, you know, only the spies and the Secret Service needed to do that. Right, exactly. Right? Exactly. But now, nowadays, our kids are already realizing. It's interesting, too. Maybe um, because of the Internet, our, our kids uh, can experience certain concepts in a way different than us. Like, they don't need to go out and actually be a teen, pregnant teen to recognize right. how horrible of a life that might be. They can go watch a show on pregnant teens on television. Well, unfortunately, you know, but what we also see is the downside of some of this, you know, pop culture is certainly that some things are, are being like you glorified. Know, glorified. Yeah. You know, yeah. reality TV, as, you know, adults know, it is all, you know, most of it's scripted. Yep. Unfortunately, all right. impressionable tweens and teens do not realize this, but, but certainly, and, and getting back to communication, what we know is that, you know, teens and tweens are saying the words, but the parents are not always getting what they're meaning. Mm. And best example is, you know, let's say your tween or teen says, I hate you. Yeah. That's the most devastating sentence a parent can possibly hear. Right. But our tweens and teens live in a Snapchat world. So one minute they're telling you that they hate you, and then the next minute they're coming downstairs and asking you... Can I get a ride? You know, when right. dinner's ready. Exactly. You know, and parents are kind of like, huh? Yeah, that, that used to be so permanent. That usually meant someone was running away. from Right. Someone's right. going to have to pack, and they'll probably be gone for months. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's, you know, part of the difficulty of kind of figuring out what it is the kids are saying. You know, a key thing that I always say is that it's so important for parents to listen mm. because you get so much information. You know, as a parent, and, you know, I am a parent myself yeah. of a lovely tween and teen, so I'm, I'm You know what you're talking myself, about, yeah. You know, is we cut them off. Sometimes we cut them off when they're about to give us the most important information. So let's say they're talking about a topic that is not such a great topic, like, oh, so-and-so stole or so-and-so was drinking. We go, eh, you know, yeah. we cut them off. <laughs> when what you really want to do is let them to continue talking because then you're going to get all the information that you need as a parent. So true. You want to know who the kids are that your kids need to watch out for. You really need to um, pay attention and also hear what they're saying. It's, they're it's saying, permanence, it sounds like, what you're talking about. Like it's the, in our world growing up, things were more permanent if they were yeah. being said. And in this world, everything's more fluid. Everything's kind of floating. Don't, don't solidify it by making it real yet. I mean, how do you exactly. say that? Exactly. So, so as a parent, the way you can kind of figure out what messages to, you know, perk up your ears to and which ones to let go, a lot of it is focusing on repetition. Okay. So if you're hearing your kid, let's say, constantly talk about how sad they are or how depressed they are or angry they are, yes, this may be a red flag, you know, but if they're in the moment having a dramatic breakdown, yeah. you know, you got to go with the flow and kind of let them do their thing and be supportive and listen. But 
you can't always jump in to fix things. I love that's that. what we want to do. We want to fix it all. But by the time we're trying to fix it, that was 10 years ago, and they're on to the next thing. Repetition. So that is the – that's kind of the indicator. Instead of just instead of just energy, you know, one-time energy versus multiple repetition, I guess, rep- trust the repetition a little bit more. Yes, yes. And they're also – you know, I always say that the people who know kids best are their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, so looking to see if there are certain areas that non-verbally your tweener teen is telling you that something is up. You know, if they were doing really well in school and suddenly they're not. You know, if suddenly you have no idea who their friends are or they don't seem to have any friends when they used to, any major change, you kind of have to add to a list of red flags. If there's something, you know, that's their way of Mm -hmm. telling you that all is not well. Is is social development being impacted? I mean, it seems to me if kids are playing with all this technology, using all this technology, they're, how they're developing, even into teendom and even into the millennial age, the older, you know, the older young adults, whatever we're calling them, their, their social skills, their social development's got to be impacted somehow. Yes, it's very different. So, you know, it's interesting because we are in the midst of starting the second generation of uh, digital kids. So we call them, you know, their generation. We had Generation Y, the millennials, the ones coming up for Generation Z. Mm. And something very interesting that we're noting with Generation Z, actually, is that they've learned from generation before them, Generation Y. And what I mean by that is that they that's why Snapchat and other things are so popular they're becoming more anonymous so we all hear about how you know you know kids today they're taking a million selfies and they're out there the generation behind them is not so into that so yes it has actually self you know definitely shaped development but we also have kids who have learned from the kids before them who were the first generation learning how to manage the power of social media. And the good news is they are learning. So, you know, there's a lot of concern from, you know, parents and, and teachers that our kids aren't, don't have such great social skills. Um, I work with tweens and teens constantly, and I do not believe that at all. Yeah. What I see is how they negotiate systems has changed. A lot, and how they communicate with each other has changed a lot. Their their communication interpersonally is the same, right? But then they have a whole other language for when they're communicating via social media, and keeping up with that lingo is <laughs> is a challenge in itself. Well, and there it sounds like even my kids are telling me they're not they don't do Facebook because oh that's passe because passe. I'm there. <laughs> So right. they, they they do not want to be where I am. So they're doing everything else because they don't want to be where their parents are. Exactly. exactly. And every time as a parent you feel like you've got it down, yeah. your kids have moved on to the next thing. So what I always recommend to parents is what you want to do is go to your kids. And a good way to empower them is to have them teach you about what the newest technology is. So, for example, yeah. if you really, you know, and, and you really kill two birds with one stone. So on the one hand, if you're somebody who doesn't feel tech savvy and gets frustrated and overwhelmed by this, if you get your tweens and teens to teach you how to 
you know, work on this, you know, social media, then you're also going to learn what you need to know as mm. a parent on how to negotiate that system. And yeah. you also make them feel really confident because they're able to teach you something. Yeah. Now, see, I'm thinking we may not want to tip our hand at how weak we are. We don't want them to know that we're completely inept, but really they already do. They, you know what they they do they they so do I always say my thumbs just don't work that fast yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah you were you were born a different generation where thumbs were like for hitchhiking exactly and now they're and then for, our parents were telling us don't you ever do that don't you know? hitchhike exactly <laughs> right, right. good stuff we're talking with Dr Jennifer Powell Lunder she is the author of the book Teenage as a Second Language. Uh, blogger for um, a a bunch of different organizations. Psychology Today is one of them. Expert, extraordinaire, and she really is helping us understand how our kids are thinking, these teens, the tweens even, um, between teenagers and adults and how they use the internet and technology. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We'll continue with Jennifer Powell Lunder. Uh, More insight into teenager as a teenage as a second language. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about your teenagers and how do you talk to them crazy teens? How do you open them up? How do you get them to share? How do you even understand what they're saying? We have a wonderful expert joining us right now. Dr. Jennifer Powell Lunder is a clinical psychologist and adjunct professor of psychology at Pace University and co-author of the book, Teenage as a Second Language. Also, go check out her websites. It's a tweenslife.com and another website, talkingteenage.com. Awesome resources and, and uh, information about her book and um, just other insights as well. But uh, she's been teaching us. And Jennifer, welcome back, by the way. Thank you. You bet. And she's been teaching us. It's The reality is we, we think they don't talk and we think they don't know how to talk, but really what you're saying is they're very effective. I mean, they're, they're communicators. They understand communication. In fact, in many regards, they have more communication savvy in multiple disciplines and tools than even we do as adults. Oh, oh, definitely. I, I mean, they yes, and they can switch. You know, it's funny. All kids today are bilingual. Right. They speak, you know, their primary language, and then they speak... Text, Tech, which yeah. is a completely different language, and it's always um, it's not it's sometimes really shocking to parents if they're reading their kids' text. Which I want to make it clear that I am a true believer that you need to monitor. Yeah, um, I do this with my own children, but you have to let them know that you're doing this. Right. In other words, you can't sneak the um, cell phone away and then come back because you run the risk of saying something that's going to disclose that they you know that you did read it on the exactly. phone. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, sometimes you see a totally different persona in their texts, and this can be really shocking to parents sometimes. Yeah, like like an aggressiveness or a directness, or even street talk. Yeah, you know that uh, you know a, a, a you know a child who is doing wonderful in school, really great kid, is texting, and just the way they talk with you each talk other. Talk like a sailor. 
is yeah yeah and it's not just about necessarily profanity it's just the way they frame their words huh. so if you're not familiar that this is kind of the texting language it it can be really off-putting is that what you mean when you say they talk teen yes that's that's part of it that's definitely part of it but the other part of it is just that their meanings are different than what we may perceive them to be. You know, so before we were talking about the example of I hate you, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's other things, you know, like even something like what, you know, (laughs) depending on the way they say it, what can mean really like what do you mean? Or it can mean like, are you kidding me? Right. You know? (laughs) And we've all heard that one. How to interpret that language. Body language is very important also because sometimes the words and the body are saying the opposite thing. Mm. So it's very important to be attuned to that. And my favorite example is the example of if you are talking to your tween or teen and their feet are facing the door, they are trying to get out of the room. <laughs> and it's important to realize that if their hands are crossed, you know, their yeah. arms are crossed, it means that they're really shut down. I mean, some of it's basic stuff. Well, and it's, again, too, earlier we did a segment about how they need more sleep. These kids are underslept. This technology may actually be keeping them awake at night anyway. And oh, then that, we're sitting there browbeating them. Take it away. Yeah. I mean, you don't you think? Night? Turn it off, nine, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock, whatever time. We're done. Plug it in. And the other thing is you away. can't just turn it off. You literally have to have them hand it in. Because yeah. Some of these kids are, like, addicted. Oh, no, totally. I mean, imagine in the middle of the night you're getting texted from some, you know, right. dude at 2 in the morning. Hey, what's our homework assignment in math? And oh. you know what? We When we went to school, we all knew who that dude was, but yeah. he just couldn't text. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. And he never dared call because your mom or dad would rip him. So exactly. now, now he's just calling you. Silently. So you're definitely on to it. Yeah. Yeesh. What's, um, it seems like one thing I notice just I do as a parent a lot, we, we ask a lot of questions. And it seems like simply asking questions, a lot of them, um, might just tick off the kids anyway. The minute a mom and dad are starting to interrogate, they'll probably shut up anyway. Okay, one of the most loaded questions you can ask your tween or teen, believe it or not, is how was your day at school? Oh, yeah. Now, now who doesn't ask that question? Right. It's I mean, normal... good parents ask that. But the way that translates into yeah. is tell me every single minute of every single day what went on. And for your kids, remember, school is, is like going to their job. Mm-hmm. 5,000 things went on. So, right. like. Are you kidding me? That is way too overwhelming. So a good way to really find out what's going on, and I actually do this with my own kids, the question I ask is I'll say something like, tell me one thing you learned in school today. Mm. And the interesting thing is they they'll answer. start with something very academic, but if I keep my mouth shut, I will know the entire social scene at the school. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Just being quiet. See, mine would at first say, I don't know. Right, right, right. And they're like, okay, we're doing this a lot now, son, from here on out. I talked to Jennifer Powell Powell Lunder. She told me we've got to ask you this. So, so, you know, what's your big learning today? And eventually, they they, want to talk. They want to have a connection with you. It's just they don't want to be interrogated. When we ask our kids, how was your day, I think they're thinking more like, oh, are you wondering if I was on time? Well, I was, okay? So leave me alone, Mom. 
I was on time. And, and it's not even, on, you know, sometimes it's not on time. Are you wondering if I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing? Right. Am I failing in school? You know, that's the natural, they, they go there. Another good, a really good thing to say is something light like, hey, did anything funny happen today? Now, initially, they're going to be like, ma'am, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. You know? That's, but, but it shows you care, really, is what you're trying exactly. to do. And so if you don't ever do this, they're going to be weirded out by what you're doing. But if you consistently are showing that you're interested, it seems like eventually they're going to start giving you some answers. Exactly. Another very, very important thing is this. If you're talking to your, your kids, and a good way to get a conversation started with them is if you are watching a TV show, you see something in a magazine, or even if you hear a story about something that happened at the school, like maybe not a good thing that happened, like somebody got caught drinking or yeah. smoking or something terrible like that, um, you know, asking what they think about it. And you know, hearing what they have to say can really get them going. Uh-huh. Another thing is you never want to put your experience onto your kids. So, for example, let's say you have an older teen who recently had a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. What you don't want to say is something like, I know how you feel. Yeah. Because from adolescent development tells us that they don't believe right. that you would ever. Nobody knows how they feel. That's right. But what you can do to really build up support and empathy is say, gee, I remember when I was around your age and I didn't get asked to the dance or, you know, um, I was dating someone and they didn't want to see me anymore and I felt so bad. So you talk about your own experience. Yeah. And it really can send the message to them that you're open and ready to to listen and that you understand without you saying, I know how you feel, because nobody knows how they yeah. feel. And you don't want to say, when I was your age. <laughs> right. The kids death, that, that'll right? immediately shut them up. But it's really more just empathizing, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that. Or, I mean, you could even say, wow, you handled that really well, but that would have crushed me when I was your age. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's a compliment, like, man, you're strong. Tell me. Or even, how did you get so strong to handle it that way? It's, and, and validation. So sometimes people make the mistake that they think that when you're validating your child that what you're saying is that they're right. Right, you agree. Not, no. It has nothing to do with being right. What you're saying is, gee, that, that sounds like it was really upsetting. I know I would feel upset. Or, gee, you know, it sounds like you really handled that beautifully. Yeah. Oh, see, I mean, this is what we need, Doc. This is the, the tools we need to open them up. We're going to continue the discussion, take a little break here. We'll be back with Dr. Jennifer Powell-Lunder, author of the book, uh, co-author of the book Teenage as a Second Language. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. everybody and good afternoon it's the matt townsend show today we're taking on the impossible so many parents think how do you talk to your teenager how do you get them to open up a lot of different ideas a lot of different ways you know one way is you just don't let them drive the car sorry unless you talk to mommy you're not going to drive the car the problem is um you know they gotta wanna and some of this is just skills and learning the tools 
learning that uh, perhaps there's another language that we as parents need to learn, which is the language teenage language. We need to think like they think uh, and also maybe pick up a little bit more of the tech terminology. Dr. Jennifer Powell-Lunder is joining us. She is a clinical psychologist, adjunct professor of psychology at Pace University, and co-author of the book Teenage as a Second Language. She has a couple of great websites go check out. Uh, one is itsatweenlife.com, and she's the co-creator on the website talkingteenage.com. She's a blogger on Psychology Today, has been on NBC's uh, Today Show in New York and on NPR Talk uh, of the Nation. So, Dr. Jennifer Powell-Lunder, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Matt. Love it. And it's, uh, you know, got to be careful with your questions. You've taught us that. Watch out because most of the time our kids will talk. A lot of times we just, we as parents don't read it right. If they bring up something, you know, that we would jump on, like, hey, so my friends got caught smoking marijuana. We freak out. We shut down the conversation. We ban them. We take their phones. We overreact. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, another really important point to know is you have to be really mindful of sarcasm. Yes. And what I mean by that oh. is that especially in emotionally charged moments, you have to avoid sarcasm at all costs. And I can tell you, this is not an easy thing for me personally. No, me either. So, and the reason I say this is I cannot begin to tell you in, you know, I work with hundreds of, of adolescents. Um, I mean, I've met so many of them, and I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've had a kid come to me and tell me, my parents kicked me out of the house yesterday. Really? And I'm thinking... Your parents don't even let you go outside without a coat. I can't imagine yeah, why would they let you go? you out of the house. Yeah. But the story usually goes something like this. Something happens, and a parent will say something like, fine, you don't like the rules here? Pack your bags. Go. Or you don't, you don't like it here? Leave. And while obviously the kids know that their parents don't genuinely mean that, on some level, especially when they're in an emotionally charged moment, uh-huh. They believe that a piece of that is true, so we have to be really, really careful. It's in, um, it's like they're they're very literal there, aren't they? Yes, you have to say what you mean and mean what you say. That's the other thing. We make so many assumptions that our kids get what we're saying, right? And you have to be very concrete. You know, really say what you mean and mean what you say. It's so important. Well, and I mean, you can tell they don't get you because when you leave. We went on a trip and left our kids kind of in charge, and, you know, for a day, my 16-year-old was in charge, and we we just said, you know, just make sure you know where everyone is, oh, I mean, where, where everyone, all the kids are going to be, and, and they basically, and he's like, oh, sure, whatever, got it. Well, he didn't have a clue, <laughs> and uh, we found out later that kids weren't eating, food had not been made for a day, uh, nothing, no one was home. People thought others were watching. I mean, it's you can't assume anything, can you? No, no, you really can. And and you know, the difficulty is that when, especially as our teens get older, they definitely have the ability for abstract thinking. So they seem more adult-like. They are more adult-like. Right. You know, they can argue with you about why you need to go green, and they can tell you everything you want to know about global warm- warming. But when you ask them to take out the garbage, <laughs> it yeah, I don't it know seems like happens. it's a whole. It's like it seems like you just ask them to do open heart surgery. 
Exactly. It's just the garbage, son. Their brains, you know, they have the ability to use abstract thinking. They just don't always use it. The other thing that's important to be aware of is that there are some concepts that are that are dealing with brain development actually so one of them is this idea of the illusion of invulnerability and what that translates into is bad things only happen to other people Hmm. so for example if their younger brother has an exam and is not studying then the older brother can say hey dude you're you're gonna fail this test you need to study Hmm. but the next night if the older brother has an exam that he should be studying for but isn't and the younger brother were to say to him, hey, dude, you got to study. You have an exam. He would go, no, no, it's okay. I really, I know it. I know what I'm doing. So yeah. the point is they can see it in other people. They can give great advice to their friends, their siblings, but they don't believe that it applies to them. Is that how, and, what, does that ever go away? It does. It does because they are egocentric by nature. They yeah. are. This is part of brain development. And parents, this is where parents get really tripped up yep. because they think that their kids are so selfish all the time. It's not that. They're naturally, they have the ability to use perspective taking. Right. It's just not their natural inclination. That's just not how they're hardwired. Now, the bad news is that nowadays, and this is based on actually um, you know, brain development and real research. Mm-hmm. We say that adolescents can go as late as 25 years old. So, oh. so I teach grad students, and I always <laughs> say to them, Haha, some of you are still adolescents. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, we, we think they're done by 18. There you go. Right. You can fight in a war. You may as well be on your own. Exactly. And it's, it's not. And you can tell, you know, you can see that yep. in some areas, you know, I always say to my grad students, um, I tell them, think of something that you did last year where you're thinking now, like, what was I thinking? You know? Right, right, totally. It's, uh, and then we, we might even hinder that or make that worse as parents because um, we also coddle them. We sometimes don't, even though they have the illusion of invulnerability, we actually as parents make sure nothing ever happens to them. So exactly. part of the illusion exactly. is that we're behind them taking away consequences, getting mad at teachers that demand too much work. You're absolutely right. And, you know, you mentioned something about the car before. Yeah. I have to tell you, what always just blows me away is I'll be working with a family, and, the you know, a teen, or a teen will have done something that they shouldn't have done that has nothing to do with the car, but let's say engage in an unsafe behavior, right. you know, risky behavior. And the first thing I will, I will say to parents, oh, well, you know, did you talk to them about it? Well, I tried to, but he ran out of the house and drove away. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, well what, what did he, he drive? Drove away. <laughs> right. Where did he get, well, it's yeah. his car, or, you know. It's his car. Him. We ca- we gave him the car, but we. I don't care whose car right. it is. Take if that's that car. parked in your garage, that belongs to you. And the first thing you do is take away those car keys. And parents yeah. are like, but that's not related to what happened. I said, yes, it is. It has to do with safety. That's right. It's, re- it's responsibility. It's character. It's everything. Exactly. It's all connected. Well, same thing with exactly. cell phones. And it's funny, though, in a way, it seems like um, like I could take my phone away. I could take my son's phone away. I have one son. If you take his phone, whatever. Right. Whatever. There's another kid that you take his phone away, he'll do whatever you need. Right, right. What do you need? I'll rob the bank, Dad. What do you need me to do? But um, it's the one that doesn't care. That actually is the harder one to motivate because he could take everything away and he literally wouldn't care. I'll just sit here and drive mom crazy all day. And you know what that is? 
that is a very difficult situation. That's a it powerful a position situation. for him, isn't it? it? It's tough, you know, and that definitely happens. I mean, I, I've worked with families where I've had kids down to like a bare mattress. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, really. But, you know, like a prison they, setting. It, but they, you know, they care more than you know. Yeah, they do. It's really about the science of behavior and who can hold out longer, you know? Yeah. And that, that's a problem, huh? Because we don't hold out very well, do we? Well, we don't as parents because, as you you mentioned, that you know we because we love our kids so much, we want to give them everything. The truth is, we can't manage the discomfort. What I often say to parents is, whose discomfort is it? Is it yours mm. or your child's? For example, if you have a really shy child, you you know, parents are always saying he doesn't want to socialize, he doesn't want to hang out, he wants to read all day. My first question is, well, is that does he enjoy that? Yeah. And parents kind of scratch their heads. He and, seems you know, to. My answer is, you know, not everybody wants to be around people. Some right. people just don't like that. Let's see, and that, oh, that's so big, isn't it? Because it's our discomfort that we then yeah. project on them, and then we make them neurotic. Why, why yeah. aren't you out being social like all the other kids? I mean, you've got to get out. I mean, get out, get out, get out. Exactly, and it's really our own anxiety. Mm. You, you know, so it's about. You know, again, it all goes back to communication and learning what your kids are saying and really getting, you know, the differences between each of your kids. I mean, I'm sure that if I said to you, tell me, you know, the main characteristics of each one of your six children, you could report back to me. You know. But they're all different. See, that's the trick. Because we think... We think we can either just use general human, you know, development behavior and all of our, you know, we've been a parent, so each child should get easier. But in reality, you have to crack a new code and a new disorder and a new pattern and a new habit and a new everything with every child. It's it's definitely true. And it's, you know, it's definitely based on the individual child and what, you know, how to negotiate their system and how they're going to negotiate your system, too. Right. And certainly, you know, as you become a more seasoned parent, you know, you start to learn all the tricks by the time you get to the younger yeah. child. It's like, I do whatever you You're want. like, whatever. Here, play with <laughs> matches. Here's some scissors. Run down the hall. But you I don't will even tell care. you that, that, that a very interesting research has told us that you know, especially for parents who do not feel that tech savvy. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Let's hear it. Research indicates that perceived monitoring is the best deterrent of negative behavior. Really? What I mean by that is you don't even need to really be monitoring. You just have to give the appearance that you are. Oh, that's huge. No, but yeah. see, we see that all over our neighborhood. They, I shouldn't say this out loud, but right. everyone has these, uh, they all have these security signs that say that their house has an alarm. None of them have alarms. Right, right. It's the perception. But you get it. It's the exact, that's exactly what it is. So as long as you send the message to your kids that you are, you know, definitely monitoring. I and it's a way it. to, you know, what we know is that random re- reinforcement is the best way yeah. to really manage this. So once in a while, you should. Right. You know, once in a while, if, you're, if your teen says to you, I'm going to the 8 o'clock movie and with so-and-so, what you should do is show up at the 8 o'clock movie. Do not stand in the back waving your arms so that your, your child sees you. Just walk in, take a look around, see that they're there, walk out, and then later on say to them, hey, I just want to let you know, I checked, you know, I know yeah. you were at the movie. And then give them a fact that you could only know if you had actually been there. Like You were oh, kissing that girl on the back row. Right, right. Something more <laughs> innocuous, like, oh, I love your friend's red shirt or yeah. whatever. Oh, that's great. 
Well, and what's great, too, uh, with technology, you can actually track where your kids are going. Yes, I can, can see. There are some really great apps out there. Um, I mean, I mean that uh, sounds big brotherish, but if all my kids have iPhones, they all know that I can pull up my thing, my my iPhone app, and see where everyone is at any time. Well, actually, Life Three Hundred and Sixty is a wonderful app, and it's not just good for parents to keep track of kids; it also helps kids keep track of their parents. No, I love that. Yeah, we're it's you an know, open which book. Is helpful because if you know your mom and dad says, "Yeah, I'm gonna pick you up at, at the practice." You know, I'm on my way. Your, your child can actually see. Dad, you're where like ten you minutes away. Where you're at. <laughs> yeah, Daddy was lying. Yeah, um. right, right. But you know, one one quick note about monitoring. What you want to do when you monitor is you do not. If you're, you know, I always recommend getting the kids' passwords to everything mm. if you can. Checking the cell phones, letting them know that you're going to be checking the texting. You know, the texts randomly. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is. Your purpose is to make sure they're safe. Yeah, not sneak. What you sneak. don't want to do is if you read a text that Johnny and Mary broke up, do not talk about it <laughs> with your teen. Yeah. Because that's not the purpose. Then you no. look like, you know, an intrusive nosy body. See, and that's such great advice. And to keep them safe. And they will negotiate the system then. Yeah. They will figure out a way to open up profiles and use other people's phones. Yeah. You don't and- want this going underground. Exactly. You want this to stay all above board. So if you become sneaky and manipulative and they catch that, they're not going to trust you and they'll go sneaky and manipulative. And they're much better at it. Oh, than by we far. Are. Plus they have more more endurance and they have much more to win. Right. Right? I mean, they can they know that they know we'll fold. They know by exactly. 9 o'clock we can't even stay awake. Exactly. Man, I'm old. Man, this is good stuff. Give us, um, and we didn't even get into it. We're going to have to have you back because I really yeah, want I you to help to. us eventually talk about how we can get into the deeper pains. How do we get our kids to really open up on their pain? But before you go, um, tell us this, answer this question. What, what is the one thing when it comes to, to communication with our teens and tweens, what's the one thing we should focus on? The, the one thing that you would say makes up 80% of the difference, the leveraged mm-hmm. one thing. The one thing is consistent communication, consist, consistent interaction. There is not one talk. There's not the drug talk. The, right. The, the sex talk, talk. Right. It's constant communication. And that is, is long. What we know is that research indicates that adults that state that they had very um, good communication with their parents, they report having healthier happier and even living longer lives really than adults who report they did not have good communication with their parents huge and it's really the consistency so the kids know it's going to be reliable it'll be every time it, I'll, I'll be there exactly that's awesome man okay we ha- we are having you back dr jennifer oh, powell lunder go check out her book uh, teenage as a second language also go to her website it's a tweenslife.com and talkingteenage.com uh, excellent excellent stuff thanks again jennifer thank you you bet take care of yourself okay parents there you go man really there's hope kids are great parents we're off a bit But you know what? We're doing the best we can. Let's just start trying to understand our children from their frame of reference. You know, even monitoring, even if it's perceived monitoring, apparently helps. I try to, I pretend like I monitor my team here on the radio show. And uh, don't tell anybody, but I really don't ever monitor them. And uh, it works out great. 
we all just kind of ignore each other. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to talk to your teens about money um, and not always have it turn into a fight. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking about talking to your teens. Uh, Merritt Meekham has been doing some research on how you talk to your kids about money. Because my kids usually just ask for money. Asking, yes, yes. And no, there's not I, usually a big conversation. Well, see, it's it's interesting. I um, had a nannying job while I was um, teenager. I got it when I think it was in eighth grade, like 13. Yes. And I know you're very mature until I left for college. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so I would go two or three times a week for four hours. Saturday, I would do the whole day and that's how I earned my money was I would nanny. Yeah. And, you were, and I so you were like a mother at age in eighth grade. <laughs> no, not quite because we would do like fun things and yeah. then I'd put them to bed at seven and watch TV. I don't feel like that's really, well, that's how some mothers, roll. <laughs> that's how some mothers, roll. but I didn't ever like, I yeah. mean, Usually dinner was already made. I didn't have to take them to school. You were the play nanny. Yeah, I was just, I basically just went and played with them, which was pretty great. Yeah. Millie and Cooper, they're my best buds. Oh, Anyway. Maybe in case you're listening, Millie and Cooper. Yeah, but um, yeah, but that was just kind of my own spending money. So I never had an allowance or anything. So you were rich because you were like a nanny. (laughs) Not really. But you were rich in Idaho. For a ninth grader, yeah, yeah you were totally. a rich ninth grader. I had money, so it was kind of fun. I would go to movies and go out to lunch. With Did you like have a boa? Did you flip a boa over your shoulder? No, I have yet to do that. Okay, not like Richie Rich. Okay. No, but um, yeah. Anyway, but and then you start getting a real job and real finances, and that's scary. Yeah, and I often still feel at a complete loss as to what to do with money. So that's interesting. <laughs> Not that there's much of it since no. I'm in college, so it's not there's, too much of a problem. You just know you can always <laughs> just, fall back to nannying, though. Yeah. Really, though? No. Anyway, but – so it's kind of an interesting thing. Parents have different views on allowances, on what – you know, chores and everything. But I read um, one technique um, on Huffington Post that I really liked. And what? this was um, – it's an article written by Neil Godfrey, and he calls it the four-jar budget system. Four jars budget. Okay. Yes. And he suggested that instead of just giving your kids a flat allowance, you give them chores on top of the chores that just are part of participating in the family. Yeah. So not like doing the dishes after a meal is we just, just being that. part of the family. Making right. your bed is just being part of the family. Yeah. But You're not if paying they dues, right. mow the lawn right. or if they help you with a you know, special Something project. Something above and beyond. Then they get money. So it's... Okay. They're earning it. Yep. And then um, right when you get their money, you go over to the four jars with them and you have them split the money into those four jars. So, what are the four jars? So the four jars, number one is charity. There you go. That's like a tithing, a something charity. Yeah. So they said pick your favorite one and put 10% of that in charity. That's just a great That's a great thing idea. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the next one is quick cash. So you just put in, you know. Gum, lollipops, yeah, if you so want to go to a movie. Whatever you need if you want to go to a movie. And, cash. Oh, I mean, obviously, that's kind of mm-hmm. 
what your discretion as yeah. to how much you put in there. Um, the next one, and this is what I think is really interesting: medium term savings. So medium term, medium term savings. savings. So say your kid has a concert they want to get tickets to in three months, but it's expensive. But it's expensive, so they're going to have to That's save good. up. So it's a short, yeah. short term goal. So th- that way, you're not only teaching, yeah, you should save, but you're also teaching. You get benefits yes. if you save. So see, then you're you planning actually see the grad- and you can have anything you want. I know because that's a bummer about savings. <laughs> you put it in savings right. and then, you know, maybe 20 years later, right. Right. you'll have an emergency and you need to use it. If mom and, and dad don't take it out. It. Yeah. But anyway, and then the last one is long-term savings. So that's a college fund. That's, that's great. You know, that's things you need to be saving for over a very long time. That's a cool plan. Yeah, I know. So you just go and immediately spit into that. Okay. And- Did you read the whole article? Yes. Answer me this. We have one. We would have a fifth bucket. A fifth bucket. A fifth okay. uh, what is it, jar uh-huh. that we would call taxation. Yes. And which is where it's fair. a parental taxing thing, <laughs> and we would tax 20%. Yeah. You know what? We call it the Fed. That actually – they did say that that is something that you need to teach your kids is that taxes exist and you do yeah. need to we, account We for teach them. it. Every time I hand yeah. my kid a donut, I take a bite. And they're always <laughs> the like, parent tax. Dad, that was don't always Halloween eat my donut. Candy. My dad would go steal all the stickers. Yeah, taxation. That's probably why I like stickers. I'm now. like, get used like, to it. That's what. That's the government. Yeah. But I'll provide <laughs> if you need, you know. Yeah. If you need to go to the dentist, I'll take care of it. Sure. There you go. I'm there to back you up. <laughs> um, just another thing, though, is that you, if you do this from a young age with your kids, it becomes a habit. Yeah. So they know that whenever they get paid, they're supposed to split their money up and put it into these things. And Such that is a good an idea. amazing habit. To oh, have. yeah. That's a habit that I still need to work on. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, like, we don't do that. But we do it like because we want to pay tithing for our church and we yeah. try to teach our children that. And then you give them $10 because they've done something special. And, uh-huh. they're all, and then there's this battle. Like, <laughs> really? Do we have to give 10% to the church? Do we have to give 10% to savings? Do we have to pay the government fee? Yeah. Like, the taxes. I know. But if you just do it and they get into they the habit. Then... Plus you have these conversations. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's good to have before you're in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, some other things you should keep in mind. Um, teach your kids how to write checks. Huge. Yes. I did have a roommate at one point ask me how to write a check. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not as my mom had a roommate who didn't know how to vacuum. I feel like that's worse. But well, yeah, I had a kid ask me how to put his <laughs> socks on, which sock goes on which foot. Um, wow. Okay. I wish socks were that particular. Like, but... Where have you been? <laughs> um, another thing, teach the difference between need and want. Yes. I often feel like I need something. Yeah. Like right now, I feel like I need to not go home and make dinner. I need to buy dinner. Yeah. It's, so that this, I that's, can yeah. be lazy. <laughs> right. But need yeah. and want, you must dis, you must discern. Yeah, definitely. And you can also teach your older kids about investing. I mean, that's a viable. thing. You could even yeah. invest with them. Yeah, definitely. It's a great so, idea. So cool things to do. Um, and that would just it's a great way to just start out, teach your kids, and that way you have those conversations earlier on, and you establish that communication. Awesome. Four jars. Money. Yeah. Four jars. Very simple. Good work, Merritt. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with a good friend. Brooke Walker will be joining us. And uh, we'll just be talking about life, kids, talk, stuff like that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we've been talking about teenagers and how you talk to your teens. And just, you know, it's it's a very, very big deal. As parents, we get round or wrapped up and wound up so tight about our kids. We don't want them to ever suffer or have pains. We don't want them to be lonely and not know what to do in their lives. And so, you know, we tend to push. And sometimes we end up pushing a little too hard, and we push in such a way that maybe we end up pushing our kids away instead of bringing them closer together. And so that's been the subject today. And, you know, what I wanted to do is spend a little bit of time talking about uh, some of my views on, on how you deal with the teens. Again, I have six kids, basically from about 20 down to... Um, Eight. Every kid's so different. I have some children that I've just noticed, you know, some you can be more aggressive with and struck and talk more strongly with, and others you can't raise your voice to, but you know, they need to be held and talked to. And everybody I've noticed is just different. So, a few rules that I use anytime I teach communication skills to anybody, really, in any situation. These are the rules I use. I'd suggest as we go over them, maybe you take a little thought and ask yourself, how are you doing at, uh, at, you know, at positioning yourself as this type of a communicator in your life? First rule or principle that I teach goes like this. In order to influence someone positively, especially your child, in order to influence someone positively, you must first be influenced by them. And our good doctor that we were interviewing earlier, Jennifer Powell Lunder, talked about an idea kind of like that. In order to influence my teenager and help understand their life, help to make a better, you know, create a better direction for them, help to influence where they're going, in order to influence them, I must first be influenced by my child. And a lot of times we won't be influenced we are the parents, by golly, I've been on this earth longer than you, I know what I'm talking about, and yet you can't influence somebody you don't know, right? How can you positively expect to impact the life of a child that you don't really understand? And just because you've been a teenager doesn't mean that that your experience of being a teenager uh, even, even resonates with what happened with them as a teenager. More importantly, you're not going to have access to their heart. Let's just say the advice you have to give a child or a teenager, totally legit, totally viable, exactly what this child needs to hear, and if they took it, would change their life forever. Let's just assume all of that is real. If you somehow, though, do not have access to the heart and the mind of the child, then it doesn't matter what your mouth is saying. If they're not going to value it, if they're not going to hear it, if they're not going to see it as legitimate and valuable, then it doesn't matter if you're right. Right? So the goal that we should have as parents is we should figure out how I can get into the heart and the mind of my child so that... I can then influence them with what I say. Maybe we ought to worry more about having them trust us enough to let us into their heart and less about whether our our incredible brilliance is going to change their life. Maybe we ought to worry first about access in, and then we can worry about our accuracy. 
a lot of times we're much more caught up in what we're saying. It's right. I know it's right. I learned it the hard way. But really, we've got to get in. And so ask yourself, as a parent, do you have access to the hearts and the minds of, um, of others? Because if you have access to the hearts and minds of your children, then guess what? Then just then your great advice someday will matter. But until you have access or uh, until they trust you enough to believe what you're saying, it won't matter. So the first principle really to me is all about trust. In order to influence somebody, you must first be influenced by them. So that might be where we try to understand where they're coming from. When we see they're a little frustrated and down, we just point it out. Hey, son, you seem a little down. Instead of going right then and moving right into our next logical you know, story that we need to tell, I remember when I was a little kid and I would get down. Don't go there. Just shut your flapper. You don't have a clue what's even going on yet. But maybe if we could see they're down and just say, I can see you're struggling. Tell me what's going on. If, the, if you can invite and they see that you're not here to critique it and they see you're open to understand it, then um, just them talking will start to open up some of the the channels you need. Now, again, they may also say, nothing's wrong, nothing. And then you could go back. You could circle back and say, well, you know, you've been, you've been sad. You've been a little short with your brothers and sisters. You seem different than you do on normal days. I can see something's wrong. I can also see you don't want to talk about it. I love you, and I'm here if you want to talk about it. And then walk away. What? See, our goal when we're trying to work with our teens or any human being is our goal should never be to get someone to talk, right? Our goal should never be to get them to talk because I don't need people to talk in order to understand them. I can just, my goal should be that they get that I understand them. From their frame of reference, they get it. If you keep pushing on somebody to talk and they don't want to talk, can you predict what's going to happen to their emotion? Odds are they're going to get more angry, they're going to get more frustrated, they're going to get more um, annoyed with you. And the reason they're getting annoyed is because they don't want to talk, and you keep asking questions that force them to talk. And you know, we may have learned on some show that if we don't talk, it's going to come out in uglier ways, and that's maybe very well true. And the reality is your son in this moment probably doesn't want to talk. So the first principle, in order to influence somebody— especially long-term, you must first be influenced by them. Open up. Start trying to be influenced by what they are saying. Start listening a lot more. Start, uh, there's always the great, you know, age-old wisdom. You know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Your ears were meant to stay open and your mouth was meant to close. So shut it. Shut your mouth. Open your ears. Start listening. Rule number one. By the way, don't even just listen, but don't, and don't listen to respond, because they're going to know if you're just listening to respond. Listen to understand, okay? Let your heart be impacted by what your child is saying. Um, and by the way, the more you can listen, uh, especially with some children, the more they are going to talk. Some children have learned to quit talking because nobody's listening. And if nobody's going to listen, then why, why even talk? So rule number one, in order to influence somebody positively, you must first be influenced by them. Rule number two, I would suggest with talking to your teens, is a very simple rule. You've heard it a million times, I bet. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. 
The first rule is about understanding and building trust because you're willing to listen. The second is I want you to actually listen to care. I want you to care about what you hear your child saying. When your child says, I don't care if my room is clean, and you care, hey, well, I don't care what you care. I mean, I care it's clean, and I'm the dad. Um, Then what you're showing is that you really care more about what you think. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. You're going to have no power or influence with your children if they don't sense you care. And you can't tell a kid you care because they don't necessarily believe what you say. They have to see that you care because you're there. They have to see that you care because you try. They have to see that you care because you show control and you show restraint. Um, They have to see that you care because you keep coming back. I don't care how much you know till I know how much you care. So one of the ways I found to lower the drawbridge, I call it, is, and you know, the drawbridge is what the kids have to lower in order for you and them to have, a, have an effective conversation. You can keep shooting arrows at it. You can keep trying to ram the, the drawbridge. You can keep yelling at them. You can keep throwing hot oil over the wall. Try whatever you want to try. But if you want them to lower the bridge, you're going to have to get into them. You're going to have to figure out what they need, and you're going to have to somehow show them that you care. And if you can't show them you care, guess what? They don't think you do. And a lot of times, there's a great quote that says, you can't talk your way out of something you've behaved your way into. So sometimes it's not going to be anything you're going to say. It's going to maybe just simply be that you'll sit outside their door after they slammed it, and you'll sit there for three hours. Just waiting. Not talking, not browbeating, not threatening, that you'll be there. Or when they go away mad and they come out, you know, three hours later to, um, to eat and they, 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 have, uh, they arise from the dead and they've arisen from the dead and they're ready to, to engage, that maybe the key might be that you're actually willing to let them have a space where they can come back. And you're not going to have to immediately start up the fight or you might even help them save face. What do you want for dinner? I made whatever because I thought you'd love it. Do you want this or do you want this? And you give them some space where they can kind of come back and reassimilate, and they now know they're safe. One of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever heard on this show was from a guest who just simply said, your kids need to know no matter what that you love them, and they need to know no matter what that you will always be there. And if kids know that you love them and that you'll always be there, you may not love everything about them, um, so at least you know I'll be there, son. That'll create some space for them to know that they can test some things, they can try, they can even fail. And by trying and failing, they're not going to lose the love of their parents and they're not going to lose the support and care from their parents. Again, it doesn't mean you can't be very real as a parent and tell, you know, I think what you're doing is wrong. And no matter what you do, I love you. And no matter what you do, I will always be here. I can't say that you won't suffer a consequence because of that, because there's real consequences if you choose to do something crazy. And yet I'll be there. Um, So rule number one, in order to influence someone positively, you must first be influenced by him. Rule number two, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. And I found those two things inevitably start to open up that gate. Does the child start to feel safe? Can they trust you? Do they feel appreciated, respected? Do they feel validated? Do they feel like you encourage them? Do they feel like you're dedicated? 
They feel like uh, you truly are there for them. I call those the seven basic needs. Safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, dedication. When those seven needs are met, guess what? Kids feel, kids feel in. They know that they know they're safe with you. When those needs aren't met, it spells starved, and that's how we starve our kids. And then once I have a little kid that's a little starved, he'll go be mean to his little brothers and sisters. And now all of a sudden, the the starved kids start to starve the kids, and then the starved kids starve the parents, and then the parents starve the kids. And then all of a sudden, we just have a really big mess. Starved stuff. And uh, the third principle or rule that I talk about and teach when it comes to these kids or anybody on earth really is um, you cannot not communicate. What I think about you in my head, what I think about you deep, deep down inside of me is going to eventually come out in communication. If I think you're a pathetic waste of space and oxygen, then guess what? It's going to come out when I talk to you. If I think you're a clueless, dumb little teenager, guess what? It's going to come out. So can I challenge you as parents, and maybe this is one of the great tools that we all should do with just each other here on this crazy thing we call Earth. What if we could all start to see that deep, deep down inside of all of us, there's some good stuff going on. Even with the weirdest among us all, there's something good about each and every one of us. And, uh, you know, Emerson called it the divine spark. Every major religion has been around it and has basically based their entire religion about deep inside of us, there's some piece of divinity. I believe there's something good in every human being, even the ones that are messing up horribly and dramatically, that are creating pain and, and, and problems for everyone else. There's still something divine about them. Now, they may not be manifesting it. They actually may not even be able to manifest it. But you know what? Those are the weirdest, hardest, most difficult cases on this earth the ones that should be a little easier to just find that goodness with would be your kids. Your kids are probably just wonderful, decent, awesome kids that are just struggling with a few things. So can you be thinking about that? Think about what it's like to be your kid. What is it like every day to know you're going to be there? Oh, they're so lucky because I'm the best father ever. What's it like to have the expectations you set for them And maybe see if you can't soften your heart about who these kids really are. Because if all of a sudden we find out they're just really good people who are trying their best, uh, that might soften us enough that it changes how we communicate with them. It might give us a chance for more space. They might even be more open to being able to influence us. Heaven forbid, we might even create a, a healthy relationship. So kids are hard, you know, teens are. But you know what? So were you. And get in line. And honestly, I don't know that they're any more hard than adults are. In fact, quite honestly, most of the time I see teenager or adults, you know, interacting and communicating with each other. All I think is that they're a bunch of teenagers and a bunch of teenagers just grown up. Aren't we all just sometimes those insecure little teens worried about our acne, worried about how we look, worried about if we're popular enough, worried about if anyone likes us? Just basic needs. Safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, dedication. So there you have it. Just Matt's little take, a little bit from the coach's corner here on the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with a fun game. Uh, Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And we're going to ask Mike Pond to join us on this one because uh, Mike has been hanging out with a lot of fifth graders Cheerleaders and, uh, you know, uh, pageantry people, as he's been an MC in the pageant world. 
Yeah, we're going to see if you really learned anything from all those fifth graders. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends of the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today is the day. We're wrapping it up, and uh, this is the show, the part of the show we've all been waiting for. The the Pondinator, Michael Pond, has found a new career path. Mike, you want to give it up? I, I do. He's officially declaring he's no longer interested in pageants. You know, it was a good run, though. I, you know, I changed the world. One pageant, you know. Almost at a time. Yeah, almost. That you only had one pageant. It is official. Michael Pond, no longer, no longer in the pageant world, does not want to be an MC. still wants to be an announcer. There's just good money there. No longer dedicating his time to reading books called Pageantry, Pageantry and It's Pageantry, which was a great book he wrote a wonderful report on, uh, and he's moving on. Best book I've ever read. I'm happy. I saw. I saw yeah. you crying. Um, so now that that's done, we're going to go and we're going to play a game. James, are we playing a game? We're playing. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Oh boy! And as previously stated, Mike should do really well at this game because of his history in the pageantry world with girls from four years old to twenty-four as an announcer. Who's who am I competing against? Uh, everybody? Are we all in this game? I think so. I okay. think that's how it goes. Free for all. We're, yeah. We're, you just I, ask a question. And we're going game show music and everything. Oh, my heavens. Let's hit it. Okay, here we go. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Woo! <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. Okay, here we go. Fifth grade health. We're starting out with that first. The question is, what is the name of the largest bone in your body? Oh, my gosh. I already know that answer. But do you guys know? Do we have to, like, ring a buzzer and then answer? Is that the deal? You have to say, buzz. Buzz. Oh, well, you did it first. Anybody so else say buzz? <laughs> well, I know the answer. Okay, well, give it up. Go for it. Femur. Bingo. By the way, Damn. femur. I hardly know her. <laughs> oh, yeah. You I learned are that so in fifth funny. grade. That joke <laughs> is a fifth grade joke that goes along with femur. Okay, moving right along, we have fifth grade animal science. And the question is, what do we call a rabbit's home? Anyone going to buzz? I, I know it. Uh, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, it's true. I, I know what it I, is. I'm cheating. Do you? I, I've cheated. I, I know the answer to this one. Well, a rabbit's home. A rabbit's home. It's not what you think, Matt. Well, in Winnie the Pooh, rabbit lives in a tree. Yeah, rabbit lives in a tree. <laughs> That's just weird. Uh, it would be the, and it's a rabbit's hole. A rabbit's home. Oh, home. It's, home. it's a yep. Bugs Bunny lived in a hole that could move. <laughs> it was a hole. He could pick up the hole and move it anywhere, and that was the hole. <laughs> so I'm just going to call it the movable hole. <laughs> Close. Okay, Mike, what, what do you think? Warren. Warren, correct. Not a burrow. Warren. <laughs> a Warren. What? what? That makes a sense. Warren. You didn't know that. I looked it up on the internet. It's true. <laughs> Really, the first thought that came to my head was movable hole as well. It's really think? interesting. <laughs> so if we're going by the host, I'm two for zero. Gaskin. Okay, here we go. Fifth grade geography. 
What kind of disaster are you likely to find in the Pacific Northwest? There was my buzz. Was that, that was a buzz? buzz. I'm going to say. I don't know. That was really good. What was? Yeah, what would you say in the Pacific Northwest? Pacific Northwest. I'm going to say. Oh, I know this. Volcano. Really? Wow! Great it's job. Like yeah. Mount St. Helens. I would have thought. I, I guess a volcano. I would have yeah. thought. You know, like fishing that, trucks colliding. That actually <laughs> or fishing happens. Boats. A volcano colliding. Actually mm-hmm. erupted. They, they have a volcano. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Okay, fifth grade world history. Ooh. What country was divided into four areas of occupation after World War II? Don't you think it's a little higher grade level than fifth grade? I don't remember learning that. I know the answer. Can I buzz in? I think I learned that you in don't, fifth grade. You don't know yeah. the answer. Are, are you going to... Oh, I missed <laughs> oh, your let me, let me take this on. Oh, was that a buzz? Yeah, yeah. that was a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Germany. Germany. Are you sure? Is that your final Is answer? Is that your final answer? Uh, yes. Final answer, Germany. Which button am I going to push? Yeah! Correct. That's correct. What now, were you, you going to say, Matt? Poland? <laughs> How did you know? Lucky yes, I suppose. I've been in the pageant world for a while. Yeah. Fifth graders. Have you done a pageant in Germany? I haven't. Not you, yet. But you've thought about it, haven't you? <laughs> I would love to go. But to he's it. moved on from that. Which of the oh, four yeah. Ireland? I think that's the biggest tragedy of 2014 already is Mike Pond leaving the pageant industry. It's huge. It's almost like if, as if Peyton Manning were to declare he's going to retire after the Super Bowl. Michael, hey, throw me a tiara pond. <laughs> Saying he's not going to continue, you know, being an announcer in the pageantry. I world. think even more so. It's like Peyton Manning saying he's not going to play football before the Super Bowl. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Boom. Mind blown. Huge. We have one more question. Yeah, right? we do. Here we go. Oh. Actually, two more. We have okay. astronomy. Fifth grade astronomy. Here we yeah. go. In the sun's core, hydrogen atoms fuse together to form what other element? Any buzzes? Come on, Mike. You're so confident <laughs> on the last one. Where is it this time? Oh. Um, you we might to... have looked at the answer sheet. I'll buzz for that. <laughs> what? Helium. Because one and one, hydrogen one, one helium hydrogen one. hydrogen is one. Bond together. They Boom. Bond together. Sun. James Light. Pond. Wow. It's called that, hydrogen fusion. That is, yeah, fusion. Cold fusion, fusion. Which is a really fun word to say. Which, yeah. Everybody yeah. driving should try it now about three times. Fusion, fusion, fusion. 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 That's really good. Fusion. Yeah, I didn't say it with us. That's great. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's the million dollar question. Ooh. What was the name of the honey first boo-boo. satellite? Really close, actually. <laughs> it rhymes with honey boo boo. Um, what was the name of the first satellite put into orbit by the United States? The first satellite. Not Sputnik. That was Russian. I was about to say Sputnik, but that was Russian. (laughs) And I would say it would have a really neat, I don't remember. uh, uh, (laughs) Another clue, it wasn't fusion. (laughs) I was about to say the fusion, the fusionator. Or a movable hole. Um, The first satellite would be Horizon. (laughs) (laughs) Matt. Not quite. What? How very unfair. You learned this in fifth you. grade. Yeah. What was it? Explorer. Oh, see. That's almost as good as Horizon. But isn't they also <laughs> yeah, they, they, they since named a, a shuttle the Explorer, right? Wasn't it or a shuttle? That the was Challenger, a, maybe? Challenger. There was like four <laughs> shuttles, weren't there? Oh wait, Stop that, trying the, to cover for yourself. That was the first satellite launched by the United States, Explorer. I remember. The first satellite. Oh yeah. Mm. That's the Explorer. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I wish I had just seen the list, like you guys. <laughs> it is easier that this way. This is yeah. hard. 
No wonder our fifth graders are just so despondent and just playing video games now. Because it's boring? This stuff is hard. Stuff. Yeah. Man. Well, there you have it. Now they know how to talk to their kids. We know that Explorer was the first satellite launched by the United States. And we know that Michael Pond is removing himself from the pageantry world by choice and court order. We're going to miss you, Mike. That that was low. We're going to miss you. They will miss you. And tomorrow we'll have to find you another job. Yeah. Outside of the pageantry world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, why don't you be thinking of other opportunities Michael Pond could do? Any any type of job for announcing. And uh, let us know what those are. Again, look up Mike Pond at trnator.com forward slash blogspot.net. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.